Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 60 of Popcorn Hangover. I'm John. And I'm Anna. And today we'll be having our monthly recap uh, from the past month, although this kind of goes into a little bit of November as well. Yeah. Uh, There were so many movies that came out in the past six weeks, we have not even gotten to half of them. We have a list that we're slowly just crossing things off of. I think we had a couple more movies we wanted to get to for this episode, and we just couldn't get to them. I mean... We have, yeah, we'll probably kind of like sparse ones in there. Maybe we'll watch them and talk about them short, like, you know, pretty briefly on future episodes. But for now, we're talking about four movies that we watched in the past six-ish weeks, like since the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and those movies are King Richard, House of Gucci, Don't Look Up, and Matrix Resurrections. All very different movies. <laughs> Yeah, the only two that you could consider kind of close, and it's a stretch, and I only say this because Wikipedia, are Don't Look Up and Matrix, because they're both technically sci-fi. Yeah, I guess. But I think the biggest like thing is that we're trying to catch up for, for awards season. I mean, they just had the Golden Globes, not that anyone really wa- well, no one could watch, and not that really anybody cares. But uh, yeah, I'm okay with never watching the Golden Globes again. If they want to do this whole like no television broadcast, the actors don't even show up. I'm fine with it. I don't care. But I we were we're trying to get ourselves ready for, you know, the big night in Hollywood. But also there's just a lot of really good movies, even that aren't like Oscar or, you know, award Mm -hmm. award hitting movies. Yeah. In normal movie times, November and December are when studios release their big money makers. Or their prestige movies. Obviously, this year's a little different, as we'll get into with kind of box office returns for these. But this, I think, still, even though last year I don't think was the best movie year in the world, November and December still had a ton of good movies and ones I'm still looking forward to getting to. Yes. But for today, we're going to talk about these four, as Anna mentioned. Um, there's no imp- like movie news or anything, except Spider-Man is a top 10 grossing movie of all time. Woo! And that's without China and half of Europe going back into lockdown a week after it came out. So there's rumors they're going to release an extended cut, which is going to push the box office higher. But other than that, no movies made money last year at all. <laughs> um, but let's dive into these movies. So, Anna, I'm going to let you um, start. What movie do you want to talk about first? Well, we're going to go in release order. This is not the order we watched them in. Uh, it's all over the place. But this is the one we've watched um, the f- longest, longest ago. ago. I don't know what the other I think we watched... So we're going to start with King Richard. Yes. We watched it, I think, the weekend it came out. Yes. On HBO Max. Yes. Um, so I'll give a quick synopsis. I'm not going to do the full ones today. Um, King Richard came out... A while ago, I think it was early December. Eleven, no, eleven nineteen. Oh, eleven nineteen. Wow, we did watch this a long time ago. Um, King Richard is the story about Richard Williams and the path that he set for his two daughters, Venus and Serena, to become the two greatest women's tennis players of all time. Anna has a better quote about it that she will say in a few minutes. It's got rave reviews, ninety critic on Rotten Tomatoes, ninety eight audience score. Had a budget of $50 million. Uh, it's been praised for acting performances, notably Will Smith and both of the girls who played um, Venus and Serena, respectively. Uh, had a budget of $50 million and it has only grossed $28 million, but it came out direct to HBO Max. And I couldn't find the article, but it did massive numbers streaming. 
Uh, a lot of people, Will Smith is a lock for a nomination for Best Actor. He just won Best Actor at the Globes. At the Globes. Um, in my opinion, it's the best performance he's put in in years. And honestly, something that should be watched. I don't think it's on HBO Max anymore, but it will be up before the Oscars again as a Warner movie. So if you haven't gotten a chance to see it, I would 100% recommend checking it out. Um, but we're going to dive into it a little bit. This is probably the movie I think we have the least amount of thoughts on, too. <laughs> yeah, we watched it a long time ago. And not that there's not much to talk about, but when it comes to, like, when we talk about superhero movies, sci-fi movies, there's always much more to dive into. But yeah. this was just a really good feel-good sports biopic. Um, I think what was really unique about it was that it really did kind of change the game with sport movies, and like especially bi- biopics. Um because usually it's the story of the athlete. Yeah. It's from, like, their point of view. But this is focusing specifically... Yes, Venus and Serena are still are still char- main characters in this film. But it's all about Richard mm-hmm. Williams. So I thought that was really interesting. I really liked that take. It really kind of... And it worked for this one specifically because he was so involved in his daughter's success. I mean... He wrote this 78-page plan before they were even conceived. Yeah. Well, and the movie doesn't directly say it, and I don't want to speak out, but they almost imply that the whole reason they had two more kids was to execute this plan. Like, not even... Well, they had a younger daughter. Well, so those three daughters weren't his. Those were hers. Those are his stepdaughters. No, no, but they had had another daughter. Oh, they did? I'm pretty sure. I thought it was only younger. I I read that she also played tennis, but she wasn't as good as Venus and Serena. Oh, okay. Well, then, regardless, they still imply that, like, they had Venus and Serena to enact this because none of their current daughters could do it. That's not, like, meant to be a slight. Like, they explain it in the movie better. No, and, like, it... I mean, it's, cr- I, so I guess here's the thing. I mean, everyone knows Venus and Serena and you know that like, that both of them are amazing athletes, changed tennis forever. And specifically Serena is known as the greatest tennis player of all time. And one of the greatest athletes of all time. Yeah. Like in, in like, she's like known as the greatest tennis player, man or like male or female. And that's like, a, that's a huge thing. And they were, they really change the sport to not even just as women but as black women that came from Compton but I did not you know you know they play each other they have done all these grand slams huge they they I think Venus like broke a record for like Nike like at her Nike deal like all these things but I did not know anything about their upbringing and like I know it's been news and like it's not like I I just don't follow it but I just thought it was crazy that he predicted so much of his plan came true and the way that he trained, like, I liked that, you know, obviously this is going to be a favorable view of him. The Venus, sorry, Venus and Serena both um, were a big part of this movie and like, and they, they, they were producers. Yeah, producers and they approve of it, which is funny because the next one we're talking about, the family does not approve of it. <laughs> um, But it was so it, I think they did a good job of, yes, they sh- they painted him in a great light, but they also kind of showed not, I don't know about flaws, but it, like just some of the extreme, the, the how extreme he was in some of his plans and, and what yeah. he wanted, but the motives behind it were there and they were intentional. Yeah. And, and I think a great like thing to highlight in this is that 
how ba- a lot of his plan was contradictory to like how you groom young tennis players. Like he didn't want they he didn't let them play, play juniors. juniors after a couple after they did a couple I think, and he hated it. I I forget which is the older daughter. Uh, Serena. Serena. So Serena, I think the number was she played. Four- oh, no, sorry, Venus. Sorry, sorry, Venus. And then Serena is the greatest of all time. Okay, Venus. so so um, Venus. They played. I think it was like forty-eight or forty-nine juniors matches, and she was like forty-eight and one, or like forty-eight. No, I mean, yeah. she was dominating other like thirteen-year-old girls, and then he's just like, no, like we're done, like we're not going to do this anymore because people were trying to exploit her. Yeah, and he's exactly. Like, she, and he like, there's that one scene that is great when she's doing all these interviews, and they keep asking her about her confidence and if she's going to be confident enough and her this, and he's like, no, no, you're not gonna. And it was extreme. I mean, I guess it was just, like, it was an interesting, I don't know if I agreed with everything, but it was an interesting way of looking at, it. like, she's a 14-year-old girl, you're dealing with an f- image of a 14-year-old girl, you can't, yeah. like, let her be a kid, let's not, those kinds of things. And, I mean, he, it's the relentless commitment that he had mm-hmm. to not only these girls, but, I mean, his entire family, and that he just wanted them to have a better life than what he grew up in, and mm-hmm. the the really tragic upbringing that he had. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. It was amazing. I mean, and their mother also, like, there's, it, it was a good, really good movie, and I think Will Smith just made this character just come to life, and just yeah. seem, like, larger than life. Yeah, I mean, this is his best... This is his best role for me since Pursuit of Happiness. I think it's a be- I think it's a better performance too. Um and I mean one thing I love that they did is at the end of this movie they showed actual clips mm-hmm. of Richard Williams and one of them was like a scene they did in the movie and he nailed the mannerisms and I get that he's an actor and like that's what you're being paid to do but he was so good and and so faithful to this that I mean I was really impressed. I know that there are other performances this year, but in terms of things we've seen, this is the best, like, leading male performance that I've seen for the year. Yeah. And so I think, like, what the coolest thing was is that, again, I did not know anything about, like, how they became, who they became, Venus and Serena. Um, But this movie kind of focuses on mostly mostly Venus because she started and it it was kind of, like, the kicking off. Um, But when they could only train when... When the coach would only train Venus because he wouldn't train both girls for free, um, Richard says to Serena that I know you feel left out and, you know, you're, we're going to take videos and you're going to keep practicing, um, but I have this all planned out. Your sister is going to – I can't – I couldn't find the quote. Like, for some reason, I could not find the quote. It, I literally was looking for this all over the internet because it's such a good quote where he's like, your sister – like, Venus is going to make history – she was going to, like, she's going to... She was going to be the fur The youngest? It's the youngest or something. I think it was the youngest number one. Yeah. She would like, basically, it was Venus is going to make history, but Serena, you're going to be the greatest of all time. Yeah. You're going to be even better. You're going to be the, considered the greatest of all time. And I was like, okay. And in the end, when they're like, everything, most of what he, like, that became true, and everything else, almost everything in his book became true, it was, it's amazing. Yeah, it, I, I mean, truly, amazing is, like, the best way to sum yeah. up all of this. Um, one other, like, non-Will Smith thing I just want to touch on, um, John Bernthal as Rick Macy was, mm-hmm. like, also fantastic. Oh, my fantastic. God, he was awesome. Didn't we, what, no, John Bernthal wasn't in another one of these movies. We watched something else with him, like, right after. Yeah. That's what it was. But fantastic. 
Um, he's going to get it. I think that he's showing up in enough of these like biopics and stuff where I think he's going to get a nomination soon for one of these supporting roles, but that's just a side thought. Um, also, I don't know the actress's name, my apologies, but whoever played their mom was also incredible. Yeah. Um, but by and large, we both really love this movie. Yes. I mean, it's just, like, the things that happen, like, the fact that, like, she had this Nike deal on the table, and, and Richard was like, I'm gonna let you make that decision, and she turned it down, a three $3 million Nike deal, she didn't feel like it was the right time, or the right thing, or there was too much pressure, and she was like, I don't want it if it's like this, and then... You know, a year later, she got a $12 million for Reebok. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, just inc- when they, and that's something like, I know their careers, but I don't know intimately know yeah. their careers. When they dropped that figure, my jaw Which dropped. Which was like I was the like, largest for a single person, like of her age, like ever. Yeah, because she was what, like 14? 14. Yeah, maybe 14 or 16, like 15. And then like the fact, and it ends, the comes to the climax of her first um, professional um event where she played um Vicario, right? Yeah, that was her second match because she oh. she played the first one. No, no, that was her first match. I don't remember. Those were the final. It was like the finals or whatever. Yeah, and like she lost because she iced her. And but it's like it ends on you know Richard saying like I've never been more. You keep your head up high, and I've never been more proud of a person in my life. And they go out and they have all their fans and all this stuff. And it was a great, it was a really heartfelt, good, really good movie. Yeah. I enjoyed it. And I think one last thought, cause I didn't say this earlier, but I think just as a sports movie, this was also one of the better sports movies that's come out in this century. Um, century. Or yeah. Decade? I, that's a hundred years, John. No, the two thought like this century is like 20 years it's saying right now, this century we're in the, we're in the 21st century. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Um, Anna, what would you rate this movie? I would rate it a 92. I said a 94. So we're a little lower than the general audience, but still, really good movie. I mean, it's hard. I never know. The rating's hard for me because it's like, am I comparing it to all of the movies I've seen recently? Am I comparing it to all sports biopics? Uh, am I. It's not that drama? deep. It's just a number. <laughs> Well, it is deep for me, so that's why it's hard. <laughs> but I just felt like it was a really solid movie, great performances. Did I think it was the most amazing sports? But is one of my favorites, probably. But is it one of the most amazing? I don't think so. Makes sense. Well, that's King Richard. So now we're going to transition to our next movie. Yeah, rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid everyone. fire. <laughs> Moving on to film number two of the episode is a movie about another family. <laughs> Um, uh, House of Gucci. Which, this is the most recent movie we've seen. Yes, just watched this a couple days ago, and um, it came out in no on November twenty fourth. So, I have been waiting to see this for like months. Okay, number one, I don't know if anyone. I'm a Lady Gaga stan. Yeah, stan, especially actress Lady Gaga. I'm obsessed with her. I think she is so good. So I needed to see this, and it has a huge cast. Yes. Um. So let me give a couple quick facts. So it's a, about the Gucci family, specifically Patrizia Gucci, who married into the family, and Maurizio Gucci. After the death of Maurizio's father, there is a little bit of a power struggle to carry forward the Gucci brand legacy and the company as a whole. Um, it's a lot more complicated than that. It's a story of betrayal, lust, revenge greed murder murder it is a wild movie 
Um, very long, and they yeah. get everything out of it. But Anna, you mentioned a massive cast, so that's where I want to start. Uh, the aforementioned Lady Gaga as Patrizia Reggiani slash Gucci. Adam Adam Driver is Maurizio, her husband. Al Pacino is their uncle. Jeremy Irons is in this movie. He's fourth build, even though he's in it for like five minutes. Uh, Jared Leto, Selma Hayek. Uh, I mean, this movie's massive. There's a bunch of smaller names in it, too, that show up, and you're like, oh, I know your face from somewhere. Long story short, this cast is huge. It's directed by Ridley Scott. It has some very mixed reviews. Critics don't like it. It's got a 64 critic score, 83 audience. Um, but it's still been, like, nominated for things, so, like, it's, it's interesting. It's gonna win for costumes, I think. Um, like, I think that's where it's gonna get an award. I don't think it's gonna get it for, like, a script, um, like, adapted or anything, but that's still a couple months off. Uh, it had a budget of $75 million, and it grossed $126 million. It's also based on a book called House of Gucci, and in doing our research for this episode, we found out that the Members of the Gucci family love writing books about oh. their family. There are, like, 12 books. Yes, they love writing... Bu- I mean, here's the thing. They were, like, saying, like, we just hate the way you portrayed us. But then they write all these books about their family, it's and it's, based like... based on a book written by one of them. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, it's absurd. Okay, so, my first thought, I have to start with it. I know that it's going to be, like, the biggest thing... Because this is the first thing we said walking out of the theater. The accent work in this movie is atrocious. It's, Especially for the quality of actors and actresses they have. There is one good accent person in this movie. And is not who you'd guess. And it is... uh, Actually, here, and I'm gonna give props. I really... We've never really talked about him on this podcast. I'm not a Jared Leto person at all. He is odd. Um, I don't like many of his roles. Jared Leto is the only person in this movie... That can do an Italian accent. I mean, I think here's the thing. It wouldn't have bothered me so much if these people aren't supposed to be from Italy. Uh, are they Sicilian? No, they're no, not. Sic- no. They're from all place. Whatever, they're in Milan. But, like, they don't, it doesn't matter, John. They're supposed to be, they're in Italy. I mean, this is the Gucci family. Like, yeah. This most of this movie takes place in Italy. Yeah. And so... It was, like, so... I mean, I got past it. It's not a huge deal. But it was so alarming when, like, none of them could do the accent except for Jared Leto was the best. He was the only one who could roll his R's. He got, like, the the cadence of it. And, like, he hit all the right notes. And who was the... Like, who do you think was the worst? Because I know... I mean, I know... So, the worst was Jeremy Irons because he didn't attempt. but... But in terms of, like, actual doing it, Adam Driver... Adam Driver was not oh my good at it. God, it was awful. And then what was so weird was, like, Lady Gaga, like, which this has been one of the biggest... I mean, it's all over, like, people are critiquing, like, she kind of sounds Russian sometimes. Yeah, she does. Well, she does, but it was so strange because anytime she was speaking Italian, she did it perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah. But then she could... But when she was speaking English, she kind of slipped into this Russian thing. It was very interesting. And also, don't get us wrong. I will, I don't really know if Anna feels the same way as me. Like, I really like this movie. Oh. I, I really like this movie. But <laughs> they're so bad. Yes. It was... It was, uh... It was remarkable. Oh, you know what? I didn't even mention El Pacino's in this movie. Did I say that earlier? I don't remember. I don't remember. El Pacino's accent work is good. Well, but, duh, because he's not Pacino. Because he's, he's just talking like himself, so... He's not really acting. Um, 
but let's get into the plot or like scenes or whatever that we liked because that was just my biggest complaint oh also Salma Hayek's accent real bad because (laughs) she's like Spanish so she's like doing her Spain thing which is not very Italian well I don't think she's supposed to be Italian she's not supposed to be Italian John was she okay never mind then maybe she was convenient plot element anyway uh where do we want to start with this movie i would like to start by talking about lady gaga's performance and just her character in general okay like she was so good and this movie i was like i love okay i guess the my biggest thing i loved about it was it i mean it's ridley scott so like he's always like very strong like female characters and Mm -hmm. like you know there's the ethics and everything are kind of up you know up in the air so there really isn't like well, you know, the whole scene that keeps saying, I don't consider myself a typically ethical person, but I do consider myself fair. Like, it is, there are, no one is a truly good person in this movie. Like, everyone no. has their motives, and, like, they all get smited in some way. Every single person in the Gucci family, you know, faces some kind of fate um, because of the actions that they did. And what I think from the start with Patrizia... I, you know, they, they started off that she was kind of, like, she met Maurizio, heard his last name, and went, like, obsessed with him, and, like, mm-hmm. want, and, like, wanted him for the money, and, but, but then, by the middle, like, it was like, you didn't know what to think, because then by the middle of the film, I was like, no way, she actually loves this person, and so, I thought it was a really good, like, mess of, like, her being, like, morally and ethically, like, ambiguous. Like, you didn't her, know what her... She's greedy, but also she does care so... She did so yeah. much. Well, also, I think something they do is, like, her intentions are very vague. And they do a great job because there's, like, some pretty big twists in this movie, yeah. I would say. And because a lot of the movie is viewed, like, through her, you you really can get caught off guard because they do such a good job of concealing what her you know, intentions are for some things. But I, you know, another great example of kind of the moral ambiguity of all of these characters is when they're in New York and she finds all the counterfeit Gucci stuff and she takes it to um, Al Pacino's character and she thinks that he'll be like so upset. I don't remember what his name is. It's not, I, I, it's Al Pacino. Um, But when she takes it, instead of being upset, he's like, no, like, this stuff is good for us because it's people, like, they want to be Gucci. Like, it doesn't hurt our brand at all because, like, we know what Gucci is. Like, Gucci's whatever I say it is. And I thought that that was, like, a great way to look at this. Like, a very, you know, we want people to aspire to be us. But also, what the whole point of that scene is, like, I mean, the whole premise of this movie is she is an outsider yeah. who married this family that wants to be a part of this family. And she is a female trying to claw her way into mm-hmm. this male misogynistic like environment where, and, and it has, they didn't actually like specifically say it, but there were like, it, it all starts in the beginning of the Gucci family where like one of the, the original person, the original founder of Gucci, he had like, three sons and one daughter and she did all of this work for the for the original like farm for all she bit her and her husband helped gucci come out of bankruptcy before they Mm -hmm. became big and when he died he did not leave any of the company to his daughter only to his three sons she asked them she asked her brothers to help her 
like get some of the company and they wouldn't. And so it's all kind of based on this premise of like no outsiders, no woman, no women. Like we are, we're, we own the game. We know what's best. And what Mm -hmm. was, what was interesting is like, it didn't really tell you what was right or what was wrong for the company, but like she was there giving Maurizio, like Mauricio had no confidence, didn't even want to be a part of this family business. No, he wanted to be like, like a lawyer. lawyer. And she had her claws and she, she gave him, I mean, at the one point I was like, I would want to kill him because she had everything right. Like Mm -hmm. she said, do this, do this, do this. He did it. And then she told him like, this guy is not like, He's going to betray you. He's going to betray us. And then she was, she was right. Like she was right about everything and she was smart. And like, yeah. I think obviously she's not a morally good person. She had her husband killed. She did a lot yeah. of legal things. Like, but it was more so like the point of there's always a man, there's always a strong man with a woman behind mm-hmm. pulling the strings. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. Like she did. Oh, it was so, I mean, I think that was like the most frustrating. Like she did everything for him. She took care of him when like his father kicked him out. Like her family took him in. Yeah. And gave him a job and all, you know, all these things when he had nothing. And then the first sight he sees a shiny new, like pretty woman. He's like, okay, yeah, bye. I don't need you anymore. And it's like nuts. Yeah. That was like, that was probably the scene that was like the most shocking I yeah, think. and she, I mean, I think the whole part where she's like, do I look like someone that I wouldn't do anything I possibly had to for my family? And like, so it, she, but that's the thing is like, this character was like very complex, very intense, and Lady Gaga did it so good. Yeah, I think that she was definitely a highlight of this movie. Um, you know, we talked about, I think Jared Leto was a highlight and yeah, he was I mean, really good. He was hilarious. Be, be, beyond oh just the, beyond just the accent, like Jared Leto normally plays weird characters. That's pretty safe to say. But he's no exception. <laughs> but like he normally plays like psychotic, weird, and not just normal people. Like eccentric. He doesn't play eccentric. He plays like creeps. His character. What are you talking about his his drag queen character wasn't like a creep in Dallas Buyers Club. Oh my god, I forgot that's him. My bad. Yeah, that's I was how saying, he, he won his sorry, Oscar. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like Joker right. and you know other stuff. Long story short, though, he had so much depth as a character. Who like when he's first introduced, you're like, this guy's a joke. But then you see, I mean, still from his perspective, he thinks he has a vision for Gucci, and they won't let him execute it. And in the end, Maurizio and Patrizia screw him over as bad as anyone in this movie. He dies in poverty. I mean, like, at the end, yeah. they, like, say what happened to everyone. This man dies in poverty from being a part of the, one of the most wealthy families in, powerful families in the, like, fashion that, world. That's, like, this, all of these, like, the actions of Patrizia and, like, and further Maurizio, because yeah. he really stuck the knife in everyone. And when he buys out his family, and then when he starts to run it into the ground, and then they take it away from him, he, they literally leave. The, this family gets it, it's so crazy. They were such a family business, family business. When you didn't let the whole family in, and now it's not owned by any of the Gucci. Yeah, family I members. mean, when they when they let um, Jared Leto's character when they let him create his own custom line and then cease and desist him yes. when he runs a fashion Cause show because it's, it's not just okay he because it's not gucci it's gucci 
MPD or whatever it yeah. was. PND. Yeah. And, oh my god. Well, and I knew they were going to screw him over because they like but talk that about shook it. me. But when they did it, I was like, you know, these people suck. Like, like really bad. I no, no. Yeah. Am I rooting? I mean, but it, that's what was crazy. It's like I. I hated patricia but then also at the end you're like rooting for her like when he leaves her you're like how dare he i mean because like she made him it's also wild just at the end and it it extends further than this story so the real climax of the movie beyond them killing is the um their uncle al pacino selling his ownership in gucci to the invest corp and like they sell their shares half of gucci for like 200 million u.s dollars and Gucci today is worth $65 billion. Like, this family, yes, the Guccis still have money. Like, they have a lot of real estate. They, you know, they, they're well off. But how much money they lost out on because, granted, a big corporation took and pushed their vision. Like, they put them in shopping malls. They did the stuff that the uncle wanted to do that Maurizio's dad wouldn't let him do. But, like... But also, they were getting so caught up in the past. Like, they yeah. weren't moving. Like, no one wanted to design for Gucci because they were just so, like... Antiquated. And yeah, and it was like, they were so, like, we're the best. You know, it's, it was, it's the prestige, like, you know, high fashion, you know, old money stuff. It just, there's a lot in this movie that makes you sit back and go, like, this is insane. And... I don't know. I I really enjoyed this movie. I love big ensemble casts. From the second this trailer came out, I got big time like American Hustle vibes, which is a one of my not favorite movies, but like I really like that movie and it's also divisive. And I think this lived up to what I was expecting out of it. Yes. I I re- I liked it a lot. I thought they were it was good. I mean, do I think it was like the best no. movie or the best Ridley Scott movie? No. But you know, what you want out of a movie is to be entertained, and I was thoroughly I was, entertained. Although I do think it was a little bit long. I'm I was going to cut it a little bit. That was my other complaint besides the accents. It's two hours and 38 minutes. If this would have been like 2.20, I think that I would have enjoyed it a touch more. Also, you mentioned costuming. The cost, the outfits in this movie were amazing. I mean, also, it's Gucci. They gotta who wear Gucci, who had like, the best outfits, do you think? I mean, Patrizia, duh. But also, Jared Leto was I was gonna say, freaking amazing. Like, they they tried to make it seem like Jared Leto dressed poorly because compared to the rest of the people, but his colors no, he did. were... Um, was, but he did. That's the thing is it was like, you don't... Yeah. But it, it, he's still wearing like $25,000 oh, yeah. shirts and stuff. It's just, it's so colorful and out there. I just want to talk about one item and like people won't know. Okay, so the... I think the biggest part where I was like, you dumbass. Maurizio is a fucking dumbass. Was, this is what I thought was one... <laughs> He gave InvestCorp, like, the burgundy oh, shoes. The shoes? That they're one of a kind. They are in the museum. Like, no one... The guy wears them to the secret meeting be- with with Vito. I think it's Vito. His his uncle. That they're going to buy him Aldo. out. Aldo. Aldo. Thank you. I knew it was something like that. It's with the secret meeting with Aldo to buy out his shares. That they're not... That he doesn't know that Maurizio is a, a part of this. Yeah. And he takes off the shoe and he's like, I'm a F- Gucci fan. And he, he's like, where'd you get that shoe? Where'd you get that shoe? He doesn't want to tell me about the great... And I'm like, where's you, you dumbass. This man has dedicated his life to this. You don't think he would know where this one-of-a-kind Gucci shoe came from? Yeah, I, that was... 
That and like you wouldn't he wouldn't know who gave you the Gucci shoe. Yeah, like that was so Maurizio, big time idiot. I mean, top ten dumbest person in the world. Just dumb guy. This is why you need a if you're just gonna if you're gonna be um a ruthless businessman, you gotta keep your woman close. You can't just <laughs> Cut her off and be like, I'm doing it on my own. Because the biggest thing that ended his, that led to his demise was all the spending. He was like, oh, yeah, multi-million dollar cars, all this stuff. And, and expensing he, it and all. Exp- expensing it all the company and saying that. And then he was like, I can explain that away. And it's like, uh. Well, which is wild. After your uncle literally got reported for tax evasion and then you're going to do a lot of questionable well, tax you, things. you... That Ugh. he did. Yeah, that he initiated. Like, um, I don't know. Long story short, really like this movie. Um, I can go first, uh, with a rating. Okay. If that's cool. That is fine with me. I gave this an 86. Oh, you went much higher than me. I said a 77. That's fair. There's a pretty big range. But that's House of Gucci. And now we will move on to our next movie. From one great ensemble cast to the next great ensemble. You know, we're really, uh, these are rolling together good. Um, the next movie that we are talking about is the Netflix original Don't Look Up, which came out on December 5th. So it was a very, very anticipated December movie by many, I feel. Yes. This is the latest entry in the Adam McKay, I guess, very political movies i guess is the way to put it this isn't a true story but it could be um but this follows up the big short and vice which turned more away from his comedy roots into more uh kind of social commentary movies this is comedy what are you talking about it's kind of comedy it is a comedy it's billed as a comedy uh satirical science fiction film is what satire is comedy (laughs) whatever um it's written, produced, and directed by Adam McKay for Netflix. It has a massive cast, as Anna mentioned, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, with supporting members of Rob Morgan, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, Timothy Chalamet, Ariana Grande. Meryl Streep, you haven't even said. I, it's alphabetical. That's why it hasn't. Uh, Ron Perlman, Meryl Streep. Um, and uh Kate Blanchett. Like, it's huge. Yeah, and Jonah Hill. Um, so it's huge. Uh, it had a budget of $75 million. It has only grossed 700000 but that's because this was a Netflix-only movie, so doesn't actually have a box office. It is getting very, very mixed reviews. Yes, it's very divisive. Very divisive. Uh, it has a 54 critic score and a 74 audience score. Uh, I didn't even say what the movie's about. Uh, two... It's hard to explain. Uh, two junior scientists discover a comet that is heading straight for Earth. Junior scientists? It's what it says on Wikipedia. I don't know if he's a junior, whatever. Okay. Regardless, uh, two scientists at Michigan State discover a comet that is going to hit the Earth and destroy human civilization. It will land in six months. This movie follows everything that happens after that once they've alerted the White House and uh, how humanity deals with impending doom. Hence the title, Don't Look Up. Um, it is a very interesting movie. I'm going to put it that way. I enjoyed it, but as someone who really likes Adam McKay, um, The Big Short is one of my favorite movies ever made. 
this is a very big step down from Vice, which was a very big step down from The Big Short. Yeah, this is probably the worst of the three. By a long shot. Um, But I do think it's an enjoyable movie. Most people that I've talked to that have watched it did like it. Um, yeah. I think you need to go... I think the thing is with critics, and I, I'm not saying I don't agree with them, because... It is, like, the satire in this is knocks you over the head again and again. Like, it doesn't think that its audience is smart enough to know the things that are going on in our in a media politics and society and polarization anyway. Yeah. Like, so I think that was a little annoying at times. But do I think that that... But my thing is, I went into it knowing an Adam McKay movie and, like, knowing how... It's supposed to be like that. It's supposed to hit you over the head 12 billion times, especially like, you know, so I kind of see both sides and I agree, but I don't agree. <laughs> I don't know how to explain. Like, I'm not mad about it. Like, I was fine having that happen. And I think it kind of made some of the comedy better being so like in your face. It, yeah. Um. So I guess this is the best part to mention this. So Adam McKay has said very clearly on the record that this movie, the comet is climate change. Like yeah. it is, it is trying to be an like analogy for how we deal with climate change because it is a thing that will end our civilization. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the critical response doesn't like it because they think that it's a little preachy, at least from some summaries that I've read. But I do think this is a even though I have a lot of issues with this movie. I do think that as a like satirical look at a very important civil or like civilization issue, not civil issue, I think that this does serve a very good purpose of that. But I, I want to talk not about his like many deep things. Um, for the faults that this movie does have, one I think another movie that's too long, it's like twenty five minutes too long. I don't even know what the runtime is off the top of my head, but like, it's like it could have. Like, the, the ending of the world scene could have been, like, 15 minutes shorter. It should have been 15 <laughs> minutes shorter. But I think the cast is great. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and whatever weird accent he's doing in this movie is... He's supposed to be a Midwestern, Michigan man. It it sounds so weird, but it's really good. Um, Jennifer Lawrence is just this, like like, very paranoid, anxious scientist. But, like, she's the only one... I mean, it's so interesting how everyone deals with the impending doom, and her reaction is the best. Yeah. In my... It's so I mean, so when good. she gets on TV and she just, like, screams in the camera, she's like, we've told you that there is a comet heading towards the Earth, and you are going to crack jokes about it. And she's just freaking out. She's like, we're all gonna die. <laughs> like, I really enjoyed that. Um... A continuation of something that happened from Vice that I liked in this movie is Tyler Perry just being, like, a good actor. I really like Tyler Perry when he does things that aren't, like, you know, Medea and other things. I, I liked his newscaster. I hated his partner, though. Uh, Kate Blanchett did not like her. <laughs> she was the worst. But, like... Good well, performance, but... but like, I guess the thing is, again, what Adam McKay movies are known for, like, their cast. Yeah. I mean, you know, many, but the... It was amazing, and he had a lot of, you know, same people, there's people he always has in there, but, like, so good. Um, Jonah Hill was hilarious, like, he Jonah. was so 
angry. Made me so angry, but he was so. And Meryl Streep was a was so good. I don't oh, like Meryl Streep that much, God. and she was good in this. She was so good at the pre- as the president, and it was like you know that in just so many co- political comments they made about like being the president and and I mean. Like what? Like that? This couldn't come at a worse time because we have midterm, like all this stuff. And then when they do come around, it's like this big thing. Oh my god, it was nuts. Uh, I, one joke that I really liked was when you first get introduced to uh, Jonah Hill. They say something along the lines of like, "Oh, like the president, like your mom, or something." Like kind of like you first think it's a joke, and then you realize like, no, the chief of staff actually is her incompetent son. Like. Because they, they don't tell you right away that that's actually her son. Yeah. Um, that was hilarious. I think Adam Adam McKay has a very jaded view of the U.S. political system. <laughs> I think that that's very clear. And economy and media. It, I mean, all, yeah, I mean it's, everything, very, it's very cynical. It is very cynical. But I, I do not walk away with this with any doubt in my mind that if this were to happen, a, a presidential administration would wait until it was favorable for ratings to, like, you know, drop this news yeah, out Yeah, or the, the whole thing, like, they didn't need to have a man mission, but, like, there always has to be a man. Yeah, There's there always, has to, yeah. there has to be, a, like, a, sac- a symbol or a sacrifice or something. Um, I, I, there's a lot of really good stuff in this movie. No, it's just, there's so much. There's too much. I mean, much. like, they get to the, fi- you know, the whole prem, the, the, the title of the movie is Don't Look Up because that's the campaign and again, it's like the whole thing with Make America Great. It was very reminiscent of like these slo- these political slogans that like yeah. we have. Um, like rallying cries. And yeah. And it was like the whole premise of like the don't look up or ju- just look up and, and you know, you'll see it coming. And the fact that people didn't believe and like, just don't look up in the sky, look up in the sky. Like they lied to us. That part was so short. It felt like I was like, oh my, like that was a big part of the movie and it was a very short amount of time. I'd, like, I'd argue like, that's probably like the biggest part of the movie when he, other than the comet hitting the earth. Like when he go when when like Leonardo DiCaprio's character, he goes from like, you know, he they just want to do the right thing, then the administration is not on their side. They exp- like it, it's crazy. they expose them on the internet, but no one really believes them or cares. They do believe them, they don't really care. They don't think it's that important. And then the administration does take it seriously because they wanted to talk to other universities that are more that are they smarter. wanted to talk to Ivy League. Yes, universities. because Michigan State, which has one of the best like astronomy, astronomy programs, they said that's they're not smart enough, which I thought was hilarious. Then they do believe him. They want him on the 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 administration side, so he does go on their side. And then, like you're already three quarters of the way through the movie when he falls from grace he's like the administration sucks they're awful like they they stopped this mission that was going like this mission was was gonna go and this guy who's basically like jeff bezos and like facebook like jeff yeah. bezos mark zucker would like combine but like weirder stops it and then and then you're three quarters of the way through and then they have a whole campaign for everyone to under it was so crazy how much jam packed in this movie the last I, I think particularly the last like 40 percent of the movie it goes like the movie moves pretty slow, honestly, for the first half, and then there's a point with like I don't know, fifty minutes left in the movie where they're like, "We're gonna jam as much stuff as humanly possible." I mean, the most like cringy thing was like they. <laughs> this what happened though. I mean, I'm, okay, I know like this. It's just like it's such a look at like how we deal with you know whenever there's a national or global tragedy, we have 
we have the biggest artist make a song about it and it's like the it's like oh. <laughs> there's all of these things it is crazy i mean but i think like the biggest like it yeah i don't even know how to explain it like it was just a nuts movie there was just so much to like take in that was commentary not just about global change global warming but so many other things yeah i mean you could we could talk for probably an hour about the whole tech genius to save the world because he's a mega donor like <sighs> well and because they care more about like what's on the mo- what's on this meteorite cuz it's going to like end world poverty end world end world hunger and stuff and it's like the fact that people yeah. believe that is crazy because it's not like that they're going to take it and they're just going to make the rich people richer yeah and oh my god like they had a chance to save the world and they just didn't because they wanted to harvest what's on it and then they they the, the US government trusted a billionaire like tech person like silicon valley person over scientists that actually do yeah. like peer reviewed data well and that was the big that was the big thing that leo's character at one point said like he goes to check out the I forget the tech company. We'll just call him Facebook. He went to Facebook's lab and he's like, has any of this been peer reviewed? And the guy just turns to him. He's like, are you questioning that we can not do this? And he's like, well, he's like I know how you die. I yeah, that, that was freaky. Um, but yeah, th- there's a lot, there's a but lot to feel that, uneasy but, about but that watching was like this a movie. Huge, and that was like a huge pointed thing to like how everyone in our, Everyone thinks that they're an expert because they read up on something. Yeah. Or they, they're really smart or they have the money or the resources doesn't yeah. mean that you actually are doing the, like, the correct, you know, all that stuff. It was, yeah, there was just a lot to, to take in. But, you know, what we haven't talked about yet, which I think is so crazy, was legit my favorite character of this movie. Surprisingly, not Jennifer Lawrence's character, was Timothy Chalamet's character. He I- was amazing in this and he's not in it that long no he was hilarious i i'm so i like timothy chalamet like john likes to shit on him though but like i think he's a little overhyped this movie i was like man give me more of this give me more just being like this weird goofball like i i believe in nothing but i believe in everything yeah yeah he was like a nihilist but also like like really religious (laughs) (laughs) it was so weird i was like this is it was really enjoyable his character and especially at the end when he's like i'm gonna leave you in prayer yeah I, oh my god it he was fantastic I, I i'm coming around on timothy chalamet after the last couple movies i've seen him in um it's a love-hate relationship it is you. a love-hate because you know what i'm gonna watch ladybird and be like i hate this guy again but that means he's a good actor john because you hate him so much yeah that's true but yeah i'm glad you brought that up i did not want to go the whole review without talking about him yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, before we before we wrap up this movie, was there anyone else besides like J Law, Leo, or him that you was like your favorite character or anything? Well, I already said like Jonah Hill was great. I really liked was... Ron Perlman's like <laughs> drunk army vet launch into space. I hated that. I, I hated that so much. I I liked it only because I could see that happening. You think they would pick someone that offensive? They wouldn't pick someone that offensive. Uh, I don't know. I, I I like Ron Perlman, so I just want... I, I wanted to shout him out, too, because he was funny in his limited uh, appearances. 
But that's Don't Look Up. Uh, I think I went first on the last rating, so you can go first on this one. I gave it... Oh, I didn't write anything down just yet. Um, If I gave... How's the I'm going to give it a 68. Oh, God. Mm, I feel like I'm too high now. 69? I gave it a 77, but I also was higher on House of Gucci, so... I mean, I just I can't... 70 is, like, upper tier for me, mm-hmm. so I'm giving it a 60... I enjoyed it. I think yeah. it was fun. It, it's not a, that great of a movie, I'm, though. I'm never gonna watch this again in my life. Oh, no. No, no. No. But I'm... I had fun with it. I just mm-hmm. don't think... When I'm talking to people about it, I'm not saying, oh my gosh, this movie was so good. Like, I think know? it's worth a watch and then forget about it. No, not forget about it. Well, sorry, not forget message. about it, but just be like, uh, this isn't something I'm ever going to stream. No, it, it was a, it's a good movie for like the time we're in, but like I, yeah, I don't think it was like the best, one of the best movies of the year. Yeah. So that's Don't Look Up, and then we will go to our final movie. Last but certainly not least, I think the movie I'm most excited to talk about, The Matrix Resurrections. So to preface this. I have never seen a Matrix movie before a week and a half ago. I watched the We had to prep for this. I yes. watched the first Matrix and then I watched this one. Yes, he hasn't watched all of them. To preface my experience, I my dad we watched like all of pop, whatever. I watched movies all the time as a kid. A lot of action movies, sci-fi movies were big in my household. And I loved The Matrix like so much. And was funny, my sister never liked watching it, so it was always, like, when my sister wasn't home, I'd be like, Dad, can we watch all the, Ma- can we watch the Matrix? We watched, like, all three of them on, like, a lazy Sunday. But I loved The Matrix as a kid. I think it was such a cool, it's such a cool concept. It's awesome ag- action movie. Ugh, I love it. So I was so excited to show it to John, and he was like, meh. Uh, no, I really liked the first one. It just wasn't mind-blowing because a lot of other things reference it. A lot of other things do similar stuff to what the matrix does and it's inspired by but if i had to slap a rating on the first one i'd say it's like a 90 like it's a really good oh it's a come around it's a really good i know i liked it the day of too it's it's a good sci-fi it's a really good action movie it like what they do with the camera not to be like super film nerdy or something like it's really cool and the special effects for what was that 2002 yep or like early 2000s um really good so that's the first one. Um, but we're not here to talk about the first one. We're here to talk about this one. And I'm going to start with the synopsis. Uh, by the way, this one is still on HBO Max, and it will be there. It released on the 22nd, so I think another week and a half from yeah, when this episode comes out. Yeah, get your viewing in. If you haven't seen it yet, it was so good. Yes, really good. Um, and I'm actually going to read the full synopsis for this. I did not write this, but it's really good and a good summary. To find out if he is... To find out if his reality is a physical or mental construct, Mr. Anderson, a.k.a. Neo, will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once again. If he's learned anything, it's that choice, while an illusion, is still the only way out of, or into, the Matrix. Neo already knows what he has to do, but what he doesn't yet know is that the Matrix is stronger, more secure, and far more dangerous than ever before. It had a budget of 150 million and it's grossed 124 million dollars. It is directed by Lana Wachowski, so only one half of the Wachowski sisters is back to do this one, but um her sister also had input in the production, so it's still very much And can I just say that she is ge- like 
Yeah. What they did with this movie is just genius. Like, just this, their minds and, like, the concept that they create, like, you know, I don't know. This is more messed up than the first one. Before before we get too deep, I just want to point out, so, one big thing about this. So, the only two primary contributors that are back in full-time, not flashback roles are Keanu Reeves as Neo and Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity. Um, Lawrence Fishburne and uh, Hugo Weaving show up in flashbacks, but they don't return themselves for the movie. But they use new people to play, like, there's a new Morpheus, so that's Yahya Abdul-Mateen, and then um, Jonathan Groff plays an updated version of Agent Smith. Now we can get into plot. I just wanted to point that out that it's kind of a soft reboot of the franchise yes so also neil patrick harris is in it and he's fantastic awesome yes they like i just first i just need to say like these like the wachowski sisters specifically lana's right the one who did the, like their minds have to be so messed up i mean it is insane what they have come up with and everything is being rebooted nowadays. I mean, we still haven't even seen the new Ghostbusters. Like, everything everything old is new and cool again. And, like, the Matrix is no exception. And when I heard they were making a new one, I was optimistic because there was no way they were going to, like, bring back Keanu Reeves and, like, reboot this franchise if it wasn't going to be something, like, good enough to... Yeah. to appear. I mean, because it's sneaky. The Matrix sneaky has, like a big fan like a very it has like, a, a dedicated very big yeah a dedicated base. fan base like like there were all those like memes and tiktoks of like all the people showing like it's like when spider-man and matrix come out around the same time you got like the movie theater workers have to be like dying yeah like so it it was a big thing so the fact that like they did pull it out like i knew it wasn't gonna sh- there, there was no way that it was gonna be a flop but like after seeing it i'm like they reinvented this idea and just like and they made it even more modern. They they modernized it. They made it more complex. They gave more like context to it, and it still had like its early two thousands charm and like the the like dramatic of like the dramatics of it and like the it just it was great. I can't even. I was I loved it. I I really like this one. I'm not going to say it's a better movie than the first one, but I enjoyed it more than the first one. I think the concept for this, which we can dive into right now, you, you need, you need the existing concept of the matrix to exist in order to pull it off. But I think it's more interesting because they fully broke Neo. I mean, he is broken. Um, so for context, this movie is set 60 years after the events of the trilogy and Neo is a video game designer who they try to say that the events of the trilogy were just a video game that he invented <laughs> called The Matrix. And that he has like schizophrenia or like some kind of mental illness. Some mental illness. He he um hallucinates and thinks that the the things that are in his video game were real. Yeah, uh, I think they say it's like a dissociative identity disorder or something like that. But like his medicine is the blue pills and like his therapist tries to say, you know, like you think that the blue pill keeps you in the matrix because that's the medicine that you take. 
Like, they do all of this really smart stuff, and we as audience members truly do not know what's real. Well, that's the thing, is, like, they make you, as the member where you know, obviously this is about the Matrix, and I'm beginning, I'm like... The Matrix is like it, it's like how they're convincing my ass that I'm supposed to be like the smart one here watching a movie that's like meta about itself. Like it's. I mean, they. Sorry to cut you off. They talk openly about rebooting the franchise. They're referring to the video game. Everyone loves a reboot. That's what and, they say. And the company is Warner Brothers. Like <laughs> they are so. And you know what? It's it's like low hanging fruit. Whatever. I don't care. It is so on the nose, but also so clever. I, I really was like, this well, is so. And I think the part layered. that's like what threw me is like the part where they call um his therapist Neil Patrick Harris. He calls him. What does he call him? The, oh, uh, the architect. No, it's like he's called my my what my not my handler. Oh oh um, oh my uh, analyst. My analyst, and that was when I was like, okay, no, okay, yes, analyst. Yeah, you're like, not, it's, this we're... is the Matrix. Um, but in you know they basically if and John didn't see the other two movies, um, but I made him read the synopsis. So he did like there were a few items in there that you were like kind of confused by that we had to like explain. Yeah, but you know at the end of the third movie they sacrifice. Trinity and Neo sacrifice themselves so that Zion can live on. And, like, there's a truce among... There's also a truce among the... There's supposed to be a truce among the... the um, Robots. The, the machines and humans um, so that they can... Def- so that they could defeat Smith because he became a, pro- a program or intelligence. Like, like sentient. That, yeah, that he was, he was a virus and he was going to actually, like... It was going to, to be the end of existence for the machines and the and for the humans. And basically they came to this truce that if people wanted to out of the matrix, they could get out of the matrix and like the machines weren't going to stop that, whatever, all these things. And so all this time later, like the way that they explain everything away, like how, why they kept, why they even keep, and I think the biggest question for me and for everyone that's like a, you know, big major, why'd they keep them alive? Why keep Neo and Trinity and Trinity alive. Why take the Matrix out of the early 2000s, which was the height of human civilization, as they say mm-hmm. in the first one? And they ex- just explain it so well. And the guy who was the architect, who was Neil Patrick Harris' analyst, the analyst, like the fact that like they're like this, you know, modern time. It's like we we want to suffer. Humans want suffering. They need suffering to yeah. be the most productive as batteries. And the fact that the two of them are the most productive batteries and they need to keep them close enough to each other. Like, insane. And they just torture him. Like, oh my God. And the fact that he has to go through it once again. He has to... And they make his memories look like they were on TV. Like, his memories in his mind are don't seem like they're real. It's like he watched... Like, yeah. Can you imagine well, And they... That? Like, something I was unclear upon and I still don't know sitting here, is, like, they, I mean, so I don't know if you interpret it the same way. Like, they can control, like, what he sees at all times, right? Yeah. So, it's the like, Matrix. When, it's, a video. When, it's a video game. I mean, like, basically what when, it is, it's when like a video he, game. When he was sitting in the office with New Smith, and he starts seeing, like, his mouth close and stuff, like, yeah. that's just, they're just messing with him. They're like, oh, yeah, we can, you know, do whatever we want, make you see whatever you want. Like, oh, my God, it. 
it's so diabolical. But there well, are- Which I love in, like, the perceived reality. Like, the yeah. way you perceive what you, what you see yourself as, but then what they can make you look like. So, like, the whole thing of, like, Smith looks like- And Jonathan Goff was so good as him. I mean, like, I was, like, half of the movie, I'm like, John, you know that's, yeah. uh- Uh, King- King Richard. Yeah. Yes. But, like- if you think there, like, he's been in a lot of different stuff, and like, but he's most known for like Hamilton, Glee, Frozen, like uh, Mindhunter now too. Mindhunter, yes. But like, I guess I've never really seen him in like a action movie, and he was amazing. I mean, same thing with like Neil Patrick Harris. Like, who would think Neil Patrick Harris would be a would be a villain? I, Neil and Patrick was, Harris was diabolical. Well, but that's the thing. What's about the Matrix is like the people you least expect. Because like you know who's the villain, and like you just didn't. At first, I just thought that the analyst, aka like whatever, whatever he was, and like Neil Patrick Harris's character, I just thought he was like his handler, like that he had just had to make sure yeah. that he didn't do anything, like the machine. But he was like the one pulling all the strings. Yeah, he literally was like the architect of everything. And hit, like, what Neil Patrick Harris could do was, I mean, when he was, like, reaching, I I know that Neo reached through the mirror, but, like, Neil Patrick Harris could basically, like, snap him into, like, wherever he wants to be, fake those dissociative events, all this stuff, I just was, oh my god, he, he was awesome. Well, and that's the whole thing, like, what keeps the Matrix going is, like, you... Especially with Smith. Like, Smith can be anyone, anything. Like, you can... He's... It's just a computer program. Like... Yeah. He's just code. So, his essence and personality and whatever you want to say it is, intelligence, can be in anything it, like, look like, you know? Yeah. I don't know why the machines kept Smith in there. Specifically, I can't remember if they explained that away. I want to... Okay, so I might butcher this, but I want to say that they kept him because as long as Neo was in the Matrix and present that smith was contained he was like his his like control was linked with neo and they never anticipated neo getting out because well, he, he was did un- al- but he did almost like multiple times like that's the thing is like when he committed suicide like he jumped he he jumped walked off the building and he didn't come down yeah but but when because it's when neo comes back that's when smith is like back because he was like under a spell yeah almost so i want to I could be wrong because it was a little confusing, but I think it's Neo's presence in the Matrix is what keeps him under control. And I think more than anything, that's why they prevented Neo from killing himself is because then Smith would, like, do what he did before and just override everything. Well, no, they need Neo in the... They need Neo in the Matrix because he... The source of power he brings. Yeah, that too. there's just, like... And then it was just genius, like, bringing... Like, it was just... I mean, obviously, Morpheus didn't even die in the third movie. Like, he survived with Zion and, like... Yeah, but he'd be dead after 60 years. No, because Niobe wasn't. Yeah, but how... That's true. I don't know. But they just made it seem like he, he died a tragic death, whatever. He's fighting yeah. for Zion. But, like, the the consciousness of him being... Like, of course you can... Like, of course. Like, duh. Well, but also, like, Morpheus... This Morpheus was programmed by Neo in a pro in a matrix inside of the matrix, and then he broke out into and the regular he's matrix. Both Morpheus and Agent Smith, like yeah. he's got the both of them. It's like, and just so good. Like I don't even know. I just like can't even like. And all of, even like the subplot of like 
of the fact that, you know, the, the, the debate whether is it more important to live a better, like, to make sure we're living a enjoyable, better life on Earth as humans. Like, you know, they're creating fruit. They're, they're trying to recreate so they don't have to live in this, like, shitty way once yeah. they leave the Matrix. Is that more important than freeing minds? Mm-hmm. And, like, all these things. I mean, it is... And the fact that, like, machines are, like, choosing to be on the human side, well, like... that I'm glad you brought that up, because that was one of my favorite things in the movie. If this truly ever happened, there would be machines that would sympathize and be like, this is wrong that we're enslaving an entire... It's not even... Like, ens- civilization. But it's not even enslaving, John. It is... Harvesting? Yeah, it, that's... An, it's, like, it's worse than enslaving. Yeah. Like, these... You're literally being used as a battery. Yeah. I found that, you know, like in House of Gucci, we talked a lot about, like, there's moral questions that are raised and stuff. This did a fantastic job of Oh, well, it's all that. about morale. I mean... Yeah. The, and it's the, it's free will. The Matrix, and, yeah, the Matrix is all about about free will. Um, ignorance is, you know, is ignorance really bliss? Yeah. Or is awareness, you know, you know, all, all these things. I mean, it's mostly free will. Like, what is free will and, like, what... What do you actually know? Yeah. And and consciousness and all of that. And, like, would you, if you knew that you were living a lie, would you choose to leave that lie or keep living your your somewhat normal life? Yeah. It, I mean, and that's a question, like, you know, if you, like, if you're living in the Matrix, like, are you truly alive? Like no, you're not. Yeah, that. But th- that's the question that the movie, and I think the first movie poses it really well when, like, the scene with the stake and ignorance is bliss. No, but stuff. this like, this movie is is if you, I mean, the whole choice of like would Trinity, like the whole thing, they were like they didn't know if Trinity was going to make that choice yeah. to to be with him, like that she was going to make it again because they they had already taken so much from her, and. They completely altered everything. I mean, and it's like making that choice again after everything you know. I mean, so I wanted to... We've gone this whole time. We haven't really talked about Trinity at all. I... I love her. I really... She's a badass. I really liked that at the end of this movie, she's more powerful than Neo. Yes. I mean, that's always what it's been. Trinity is a badass and she is always... She's just amazing. Well, I think it was like very satisfying in this one too though because she was like asleep for so long in this movie and it was at the very end that she came on whereas in the first movie like she awakens neo well morpheus awakens neo but like she's awake she's the one who well yeah it's the opposites here because it was she was the one who brought him into the matrix out of the matrix last time and then Mm -hmm. this time's like she had to choose like the same way he chose to go with her yeah he has to choose um like, she has to choose to go with him. Yeah. Um, one more thing, my last big point that I really want to touch on. Um, the way that they integrate old footage into this movie is so cool and, like, so... Sometimes it's very in-your-face, but sometimes so subtle. Like, when New Morpheus, like, takes him to that theater and it's playing his initial encounter with, yes. like, real Morpheus... And you sometimes see, like, bits and pieces, like, on a TV screen or in the computer game or whatever. I thought that was such a cool way to tie this franchise all together. I mean, they tied everything together. The fact that, like, his cat is named Deja Vu. Yeah. And, oh, my God. 
I can't even like begin to explain. Like they just. It, this was a really good movie. I loved it. I loved it so much. I just want to go and watch, make you watch the other two, and then watch it again. Yeah, and I'll probably do that. <laughs> I, it, it, it's good. Um, definitely worth a watch. I, I don't know if you have to see it in a theater. We didn't. Um, yeah, just out of pure ease, and we just can't go to the theater every day. <laughs> yeah, but I think that uh, it. My one, not complaint, but just observation is like there is less like actual fighting in this. There's a lot more like dialogue scenes. It's a little less action heavy. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's a good or bad thing. It's just a thing because we do get like a huge action set piece at the end that's like 15 minutes long. So. Well, in his first encounter, like, when he, like, no, his, this first Smith and Neo fight is really good, too. Yeah, it's amazing. And, like, Keanu Reeves is as great as ever. And But I do have to say, like, Trinity is just badass. I mean, yeah. like, she is uh, great. I mean, I had no doubt that she was going to be good again. Yeah. And the new characters, um, what is her? Uh, I don't remember Bugs, any of the new- Bugs. She's Bugs Bunny. She was good. I really liked her. I thought she was a good addition. And the other, like, people of her crew, but she was, like, the main one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like, I like the parallels of the new crew to the old crew, where they were like, we're gonna keep these archetypes, but just make them, you know. But that's the thing, is everything was a parallel. Everything had a connection to something. It was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, since you have a connection to this franchise, I'm gonna let you give your score first. Oh, gosh. Wait, what was the... Did you ever see the Rotten Tomato? Did you see, like, the critics in the audience? I'd like to know. Oh, you know what? I don't think I did. I forgot. Uh, 64 critic, 63 audience. Oh, souls. Okay, I'm gonna give it... I'm sorry. I'm giving it an 81. 2, 82. I was gonna say an 81, so I'm gonna stick to an yeah. 81. Um, I'm just, I just feel like that's weird. I feel like people should like it more, but maybe I'm just like, I maybe, was, maybe I had a great time watching it that night and I really left it. And so maybe I need to take some more time, but I don't know. I, I, th- I think that this was a, I think this was as good of a like revival as you can do. I also, I mean, granted this can change. They said they're not planning any sequels that this was just a one-off thing. We'll see if that happens, but especially if this is like, where you leave the franchise, I'm fine with it. I love... No, yes, it was a great stopping point for the franchise. Because honestly, my last real thought is like, how many more times can be like, the Matrix is back? I mean, you can't really do that forever. So I think that, you know, you do it one time, it works. But they did leave it open-ended. Like, they, he, the ma- well, he, they yeah, said they would it'll let always, it... It'll said, always be open-ended. Well, yes, there's no way for them not to have it. But they let... But, and they, they said, like, if you mess with us, like, we're coming to get you. Like, and they just, like... When they just fly around the sky, I'm like, yes! <laughs> yes! Like, it looks so weird, but I'm like, yes! Yeah, the... <laughs> I... It is such a... Like, a lot of stuff, the action in this is cool, but also is very 2002 in a good way but that's what you need it like it's corny and, but it's cool and basically it's just like trinity and like it's just like them trinity and neo are just like f all of you guys my mind is way more unlocked than all of yours yeah. ha 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 you suck bye and then they just fly off <laughs> That's it. And the leather. Like, I'll never get over, oh my God, like, yeah, the, leather. the amount of leather and how cool it is and how I wish I could pull off <laughs> the outfits that Trinity wears. I could never. I would look like an idiot. But I want to be her. I've always wanted that. But I'm not 
grunge or like like just cool enough just yeah i mean not love i'm surprised that they did this after watching the first one but like neil wears like a sweater half of this movie yeah like it works but like i don't think neo like sweater guy i think of the weird glasses and like the leather trench coat but well and then i also i don't know why i didn't think about this in the first movie but isn't it crazy like they i mean i have to say this first movie too like they had to they had to film all of the scenes and i know that movies are always filmed out of order but it just all this one really gets me they had to film all of the scenes with him and his hair and then they had to shave him and make him like yeah. and then they had to do yeah. all of his scenes those scenes at the end like is that nuts? Yeah, it, it is pretty nuts. <sighs> anyway, we both really like this movie. Go see it. <laughs> you can't tell. It's on HBO Max for another week or two, so it'll be there permanently, though, too. Yes. Um, But thank you, everyone, for listening to our movie catch-up. Yeah, you, you had to listen to four very different movies. Honestly, not one was alike. No. To us talk not about at four all. different movies. Um, we will have another one of these next month. But our next episode will be more focused. Hopefully we'll have a guest on. We're still working on that. Yes. But next episode will be kind of just a, you know, a movie everyone loves and knows or most people love and know and can't wait to <laughs> just kind of mess, mess around and not talk about a new movie. Yeah. But thank you everyone for listening and we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. You ever steal anything, Paula? What? Forgive me. I'm trying to teach Alessandra the importance of not touching other people's belongings. I don't consider myself a particularly ethical person, but I am fair. What I cannot wrap my head around is people who steal just for ego or the pleasure of it, for personal satisfaction.